Hello everyone, welcome to King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony. With me as always, we have John. Um, so since the last time we've talked, the Kings have actually played five games. They've gone three and two. They won three straight. Almost uh, capped off a perfect road trip. Couldn't take down the Jazz without Laurie Markkanen. Or Markkanen, however you say it exactly. <laughs> Monte or Monty. You know, I think it's just preference at that point. Um, I, don't think, I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think it is preference. <laughs> I don't think it's Monte McNair. I'm going to stand by this. Well, is it Markkanen or Markkanen? I actually don't know because I was saying Lori, and I think it's Lowry. So, <laughs> Lori, Lowry, Lowry. I think it's Lowry Markkanen. Like Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Lowry. Yeah. Okay. Lowry Markkanen. Markkanen. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. It's Markkanen, not Markkanen. Markkanen. It's almost just that like, sounds like another name within a name. Yeah. Markkana. What's that, Markkanen? But uh, yes, they didn't beat them. The Jazz, Utah. And then they were also missing Clarkson and Sexton. Yes, well. I was going to say they're missing a couple other people. They're missing, yeah. Um, and then Monday night, no, Tuesday night. Monday night was against the Jazz. Tuesday night against the Celtics was just a, a schlack down by Boston, showing them why they, you know, went to the finals last year and why they're one of the better teams in the NBA. Kind of like how the Bucks game was when the Kings played them. And just that experience really pushed them over the top. This one a little more so than the Bucks game because Celtics really laid it on in the second half. Yeah. But John, how's it going? Five games since we last talked. We don't talk ever in between. Then we just yeah, we can't kind of, stand each other. Yeah, we had a divorce about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he has full custody of the children. Um, but we make things work for the podcast for you, the listeners. Yes, uh, at home. But you know. It's I, I'm, I'm going to start off by saying this about the Celtics game. It felt a lot like the first Celtics game. The first time they played the Celtics was in Boston. It was Thanksgiving week. Mm-hmm. It was the it was just a three-game road trip, but three games in four nights. It was the first major East Coast trip of the season, Thanksgiving week, like I said. And you finished it off in Boston. And it just kind of seemed like the Kings, because they ran with Boston for about two and a half quarters in that game. Yeah. And then it just kind of fell apart. And that was it. Well, by golly, that kind of sounds like the other game, doesn't it? Yeah. A little bit. And no, it does. It, and it's no coincidence that they were playing the second of a back-to-back after playing in Utah the night before. You know, uh, totally. And then, obviously, that's not an excuse. But my point here is, from an outside perspective, wouldn't it have been great to see the Kings kind of play the Celtics with a little bit more rest? Yeah, and and even kind of going away from the Celtics, but staying on it, it's like you said, it was a second night of a back-to-back against Boston. It's like, man, you really needed to win that Utah game. It was the first night, you know, before his Celtics back-to-back game, and they, they didn't have Markinen, Sexton, or uh, Clarkson. It's Taylor like Tucker, baby. <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker. It's such that game, that game was frustrating. You, it's considering how well they were playing out of the break. They were perfect on their road trip until that point. So, I mean, it's Celtics game. You know, I can swallow that loss for sure. It was it's the Celtics, but man, that that Jazz game was like ugh. that first quarter was just awful, and it was just you know much of a factor. The Kings 
kind of caught up, but at the end they couldn't. And you know, you can credit a lot of that to that that bad first quarter. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a similar way to how Boston made the Kings pay for every mistake they made. I mean, they committed how many turnovers, and they too many. Yeah, Domas fourteen for twenty one points off yeah. of it, and they only. You know, Boston only committed five, and the Kings scored six off of it, you know. And Boston took advantage of everything. I mean, I think it was really only the second quarter that they really had the offensive rebounds going. But, damn, they still finished with 17 second-chance points. You know, they had 10 in the second quarter alone, and then, you know, uh, they kind of the Kings patched up at least on the glass a little bit. But it just seemed like they were there to make them pay. And then I guess my point here is, like, the Utah game shows that it's like you got to come out ready to swing right away because no matter how good your offense is, you see how it can get constricted. And that really like against that jazz team, if you take away the jazz ability to constrict the inside, because the Kings only scored 40 points in the paint, which is not good. <laughs> you want to get those paint touches. You want to get those paint scores. And uh, I think the Utah jazz in a way kind of let them know that they have to come out as sharp as can be without making mistakes because no matter how confident you are that you can make up for those mistakes you know teams like Utah are going to go ahead and still play hard and not make it easy on you it's always going to be difficult and then the real wake-up call is when you play a damn good team like Boston Mm -hmm. there's they're not going to catch you any slack so the Kings are getting to a point where I mean, they kind of are – and it seems like they understand it. Like Malik Monk was like – you know, these teams have just been there. They understand what it takes, talking about Milwaukee and Boston specifically. And it's just like the Kings are coming to this point where they kind of know they have to play as close to perfect as possible. They've been saying it all year. They really had the right attitude about it. But it's like, it's time to do it. Yeah. It's time to show up. I mean, that Boston game, it's <laughs> – it's. I know Boston's one of the better teams in the league, and they're an Eastern Conference team. But like that game, it made me kind of nervous going into the playoffs. Because regardless of what the Clippers are doing this year, or you know the Warriors, even it's like these are teams that we might face in the playoffs with plenty of playoff experience. And are they going to do the same thing as the Celtics did to us? Like, I mean, we have very little playoff experience, so. I just like when we play these good teams, these title contending teams like the Bucks and the Celtics, it's like, you know, they're showing us why they're favorites to win the titles. And I'm not saying the Clippers or Warriors are, but they definitely have the talent mm-hmm. to do it. So, yeah, I think these kind of things just remind you that it's like we keep mentioning the experience thing that's obviously going to factor in. But then there's also all these moments where the Kings are like, look at them, just like respond and figure it out. And so at this point, kind of like swinging back and forth because they played so well coming out of the break. Applying themselves to the little things, probably the best stretch of basketball that they played all season, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And then you're just kind of reminded now of these last couple of games. It's just like, we really don't know what they're going to do in the playoffs. It's so hard to say. Yeah. I would I, call them a major wild card. Yeah. I mean, they have to be. They just they have such a good offense, but their defense is just, you know, it's questionable but anything that's even generous saying and then the lack of experience for sure Mm -hmm. it's like what are they gonna do and then kind of moving on here the one thing is is the big issue with these last two games is it's kind of the first time at least in recent memory that the kings have faced offensive adversity 
They kind of did it, if you recall, against the Raptors in Sacramento when the Raptors beat them at home. And uh, they disrupted Domas. They, they, I think they were switching everything. They mm-hmm. had just a nice mix of length out there, all five guys. I mean, four if you got Van Fleet out there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just doing a great job of just disrupting. What did Utah do? Utah played that zone. They had Walker Kessler, which I thought is, I think it's so ironic because I do agree with Mike Brown to a large degree that it's like shot blocking is kind of an overrated thing. But damn, when it works well, when you have the mobility and the strength and uh, awareness, you just, it's just kind of interesting after that game. Mike Brown, after all season, his whole career as a coach, just kind of going like, ah, shot blocking. Just being like, yeah, he kicked her ass. <laughs> you know, like he's five blocks in the game. Uh, and he just constricted the inside. And also constricting the inside was just anytime Sabonis gets in the high post or whatever, just like go at him. And you definitely saw Boston do that. Yeah. And Boston did it in a manner that was very <laughs> similar to what Toronto did. Now, of course, it's like Sabonis still gets a triple-double and everything like yeah. that. But you can see how it totally affects the rest of the offense. Yeah, and I mean, how many... Yeah, he had a triple-double, but I mean, how many turnovers did he have that like game? Six or seven? Yeah, it was, you know... They're right. A few. So... And James Ham asked, I think, Malik Monk after the Celtics game, you know, noting this, like, you faced a zone that constricted you. You only got 40 points inside. You faced a sw- uh, all-switchy thing Boston team. You only scored 109 points, 38 points inside, and never really got into a... F- I mean, they exchanged runs with the Celtics, but it still kind of felt like there's, there was there was not the same thing. I mean, nobody scored over 20 points in that Celtics game. Yeah. I mean, the highest score was, what, Fox at 18? And it's just like, oh, well, you still have a chance to win. I mean, like, you got the defensive issues. I mean, it's like that offense is so good. It's like, okay, you're still going to be kind of in it, you know? But it's like... As soon as you start kind of blueprinting these kind of ways to beat the Kings, so to speak, you know, teams are going to employ it because they're going to try different things throughout a series, mm-hmm. throughout a seven-game series. You know, I remember that Toronto game. There were a lot of people that were like, oh, that's it. You know, they figured it out. And I was kind of like, yeah, maybe they did. But what team has that personnel that can do it? Like Boston does. Yeah. It seems like Milwaukee does. I guess an interesting question would be, what Western Conference team could disrupt the Kings in this manner? Kind of going up and down the conference, it's like, who should the Kings be worried about playing? Based on these kind of obvious glaring issues, these things that can definitely put a crack in their armor or in their sword because it's an offensive issue. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, the first team that comes up to mind is the Warriors. Just because it's Golden State. I mean, smart team, smart coach known for good defense. Um, I don't know if they have the personnel this year to do it, maybe, per se. But, yeah. I mean, I, it's one of those, I mean, calling the Kings a wild card. I think the, the, the defending champions going in as a potential six seed yeah. is a wild card for sure. Who, I mean, the Nuggets, they have yeah. good length. Well, yeah. And they're also the first seed for a reason. And it's- Memphis, of course. I feel like Denver could pose issues. Would we play Denver two more times? I think we end the season with Denver. Denver, and then, yeah, at the, you're right. That'd be fun. And we play Golden State. Yeah, those will be the last two games of the season. Yeah. Boy. But it's like, I don't know, can Phoenix do it? The last two times they played Phoenix, I feel like 
it's all about can you just contain Devin Booker? Yeah, and I think that's how Phoenix. Yeah, well, well, yeah, we haven't faced Durant. I don't think Phoenix will give us the same defensive problems. Sure, but I mean, of course, they're a threat with, with. I mean, even Chris Paul on like a down year, he's aging. But it's like Durant and Booker, and you know Monty Williams, Monty. I mean, Phoenix has been one of the better teams in the league for the last several years. So, of course, they're a problem adding Kevin Durant. Although we haven't really seen much of Phoenix with Durant. Who knows? Maybe that can be too big of a personnel change in Phoenix for the playoffs. We're seeing that in uh, Dallas right now. Oh, boy. Wait, where are they at? Eighth. They're eighth in the West. Yikes. I think they were fourth when they got Kyrie, right? Yeah. When we faced off. Yeah. It was for like the third seed. Like if they beat us. If they beat it was like if they won those two games. Yeah. And they almost yeah. yeah. They almost did. Yeah. And they, they just dropped. <laughs> They're like a game within the third and under the eighth. They're thirty six and thirty six at the time we're recording. Boy. It's crazy. I haven't really been able to keep tabs on that <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. You just like you kinda cause it's that time of year where you're just keeping an eye on the standings like every day and it's just like <laughs> You're like, what the hell happened to Dallas? I'm gonna see like Kyrie's game log. Although I'm pretty sure it must be fine, right? Yeah. Something else must be the issue. I haven't, I haven't really heard much of Doncic lately. I feel like he was getting a lot of hype. I don't know. I, I'm just throwing out <laughs> potential <laughs> issues. Oh, Dallas? You mean Kyrie Irving and uh, Luka Doncic? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I know the Mavericks. <laughs> Kyrie Irving, and Luka Doncic. Let's see, Kyrie. You know, he's putting up great numbers. <laughs> no, so it's, he's not the issue. I just don't. I didn't know. like the fit, personally. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like any time you kind of... You get two so, point guards. Yeah, two balls Or just dominant. ball I mean, dominant, like, whatever. The one thing that obviously went into Kyrie is that, like, Kyrie's played with stars before. He can play a little off ball. Odontis has been out for the last, like, six games. Well, that might... Well, <laughs> five games and he missed a lot of time even in mid in early february that was before the kings played him right he missed yeah. the first game the kings played because he was and we lost at yeah. first remember that was the one where the kings just came out i think it was the first game back at home after a while yes it and they was. came back and they got hit in the mouth and they just never had a chance to come back Kinda yeah because like... it was don he did miss that first game and then he came back the second mm-hmm and the yeah, Kings they, won. It was the first. It was the first game between Kyrie with Kyrie and Doncic. Yeah, it was their first game together. So you can't really count those games he's missed before that because they didn't even have Kyrie then. But <clears throat> he has missed the last five. But still, the, they've dropped pretty considerably. Mm-hmm. But so I guess I guess but Dallas is one you don't have to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not really afraid of Dallas. But it's like uh, you kind of look at the top of the conference. You know, Denver. Uh, Memphis, Phoenix, and then Golden State. I don't really worry about the Clippers so much. No, just because I feel like we've taken care of them. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I like I don't want to worry about them. It's like, man, they got Paul George and Kawhi. It's like it's hard. That is it's the, hard to ignore. And that's the kind of matchup that on the defensive end could really screw with you. Yeah. Um, you, Unless Kessler Edwards just, <laughs> it's just that wild card and just locks down Kawhi. I mean, he's, he's look good. I'm, I'm not yeah. switching topics yet, but no, no, no. It's uh, I mean, it's Paul George and Kawhi, and they, I mean, they got Eric Gordon at the all or at the trade deadline. They got uh, Mason Plumley, and yeah, we beat them a couple times, but 
Anyway, hey, Eric Gordon, you know Eric Gordon? He's he's a player that's had the beam lit against him the most. Oh, because he was in Houston. <laughs> then he came to LA. Four games. I, I think it was two games. I think with... it was like six. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Poor Eric Gordon. Yeah. Somebody just send him a little mini beam. Eric Gordon, dude. I hate Eric Gordon. I hate that. Cody guy. has some very strong feelings about players. <laughs> like I can't. I've never been able to stand this guy. It's like, oh my god, I hated him in Houston. He was so annoying. Uh, it's a little guy, I don't know. It's like it's a little guy. He's always like flopping and stuff. I feel like, <laughs> but, like always, but he's always trying to act tough. Like, but um, thinking about almost kind of looking in that play-in realm. Yeah, because we're talking about Utah potentially. Utah's like trying to do a rebuild, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I remember they were like the first seed. I mean, it was like it was back in like November. But I mean, yeah, look at the Pelicans. But I mean, they got. I mean, they got Mark. Yeah, they got Mark Cannon in the trade. I really wanted the Kings to go after Mark and then Mark Cannon, whatever. Like two years ago, before he signed with the Bulls, no, he got drafted by the Bulls before he got before he got uh, signed, signed before he signed with the Cavs. When the Cavs were like nobodies too, mm-hmm. like go after this guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they didn't. And now look at him; he's a starting All Star. Um, great move by the Jazz picking him up, him up. Yeah, but. I mean, the Jazz, I mean, honestly, and I hate to say it, but in that kind of playing range, like the Lakers, they've looked decent yeah. since getting Vanderbilt, Beasley, and Russell. And they got Hachimura off the bench. Hachimura, yeah. I mean, that, that is a good mix of personnel at that point. That could be disruptive, and we haven't really been able to see the Kings even play that. No, and I don't think we will. No. I, he, I what about know. Oklahoma City? Oklahoma City, I mean... I want to say I'm afraid of them. I feel like they have good length against the Kings. I don't think I think we beat them like three times this year. Once you get to this point in the season, it's like, oh shoot! <laughs> I know there's ten games oh, left. No. There's ten games left until the Kings break the playoff drought. That's crazy. There's actually uh, the magic number actually is four games right now. That's what I read is between wins and losses between I mean, the Kings and the seventh seed. And seventh seed actually right now is Oklahoma City. So look at that. The Kings win two more, and the OKC or the Thunder lose two more. Then the Kings clinch the playoffs. Just to go back to the first time they played OKC, Lou Dort. <laughs> I love that name. Is that Lou Dort? Remember when Lou Dort? Wait, it's like Lou Gens or something. Lou like? Gens Dort. Yeah. yeah. What a name. I remember one time when he was still in the Clippers before he got traded to OKC, mm-hmm. he killed the Kings. I remember he's like this big, like laughing. He scored like thirty points. <laughs> Say who? Lou Dort. Lou Dort. And they had another guy, um, met, like, Roddy McGruder. <laughs> McGruder. I don't, I don't. Honestly, that drawn a blank. Yeah, I, he's. I don't know. I don't. He, he's probably an OKC now, actually, as well. I think they got traded together. Uh, but they did beat OKC in all three. Well, and it's just like that inexperience. Like, I mean, yeah. like, you don't throw that around the Kings' perspective, but in a way. Aren't the Thunder a younger team? Yeah, and like honestly, thinking about it, I couldn't even name you OKC starting five. I couldn't even name you a, like I'm not no disrespect. <laughs> so I'm like, I maybe I'm just blanking, but get, who's who else starts on that team other than Shea? Giddy. Right? Yes, Giddy. Giddy's um, great. Who's their Dort, center? Didn't Dort start? Well, Dort, of course he does. And then I'm saying that. Um, who's their center? They don't have Mascal anymore. And they traded. Basley. Sarge is their backup five. Man. Sarge. Who's their starting five? Why am I? I know. Who's their starting five? I'm telling you, I'm suffering from amnesia. I don't even um, know how to say amnesia. 
Hmm. People at home are like, these guys are morons. <laughs> <laughs> you casuals. You know OKC. I bet you don't even know what OKC stands for. <laughs> I can't believe they're in seventh place, though. Good for them. I know. I dig that. I, I really like the Thunder and the, and the, the Jazz. I do, too. Yeah. I don't like the Jazz. I don't know why. But I like the Thunder. I like Will Hardy because I was we were I feel Will like when Hardy. the Kings were considering hiring yeah. him, I was just like, I mean, it didn't really seem to match up because just with everything getting Sabonis, it seemed like they were on the precipice of something. Whereas Will Hardy's like, we'll make the playoffs in a year or two. Yeah. So it just didn't match up. But it's like if you wanted to take a chance on him, I felt like he was right up there. Yeah. Been interesting. He's doing a hell of a job there. Yeah. Um, you kind of expected it. But. I mean, like, kind of going back to what we said is we're talking about the Western Conference here. It's like, everything's got a wild card. Like, what are these teams going to whip out on the Kings? It's just so, I mean, the Western Conference is just so weird this year. I feel like, I mean, yeah, well, it's just mostly in past seasons. Like, the Western Conference has been just this powerhouse, and the East has always been trying to catch up. Where this year, it's like, the best teams are in the East right now from what we see in the regular season and what we've learned really since the Warriors kind of blew things up with Durant. It's like... Who cares about the regular season? Yeah. Clippers show that by resting Kawhi and Paul George all the time. I mean, even Phoenix. I mean, Durant's hurt and stuff, but you, I'm pretty sure Phoenix would be a little higher in the standings if they put a little more effort into the regular season. That's true. That's true. And they don't care. I mean, we saw Brooklyn do it as well. They went in like the eighth seed last year, right? Yeah. And then they just like took care of business in the plan. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, Thing we're afraid. And we have Durant and Kyrie. And then they hit a wall called the Celtics. Yeah. So, I mean, seeding does matter, but I mean, just the talent on all these teams now, it's almost like. And, and these teams that you're talking about have been there before. Exactly. These aren't new teams. Because the question I would actually want to bring up, kind of transitioning here, because you think about the fact that the Kings were playing so, like five games in what, like seven nights or something? Yeah, that's crazy. Like a, quite a stretch of uh, highly I feel like when we usually talk after a week, they've like, like three, th- games. three, maybe four. <laughs> we're like five? Jeez. Shoot. I remember we were going back. It's like, oh, shoot, the Chicago game would have been the last one, I guess. Yeah. Um, or the first one, rather. But they played a heavy stretch of games, doing the traveling, the back-to-back. You see it in the free throw percentage. Uh, they shot poorly at the free throw line against the Wizards. Didn't matter. And they yeah. shot poorly at the free throw line against the Celtics. Ultimately didn't matter, but still not a good look. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost kind of want to say that's a little sign of you, like in a maybe a broad way, it's kind of like takes a lot of focus. You know, three, you take a little bit of focus off. You're, you're not hitting your free throws. You're not taking advantage of those little things. I don't think it's impossible to say that fatigue or tired legs, whatever you want to say, can affect that. You see the frustration with the refs. I feel like that is partially warranted because Domas gets whacked around all the time. But also it's like, I'm helping my sister move and I see people get frustrated all the time. Why are they frustrated <laughs> generally? They're tired. They're cranky. You know, I feel like that kind of plays into it. Yeah. So the question I have is, do the Kings need to rest their players? Man, that's a good, I don't know. Because they seem so averse to it. Like Domas, I feel like Domas wouldn't want to do that at all. Yeah. And I kind of get an argument for and against. I get both of them. Because in one sense, you're like, well, if the Kings would have just rested some players against Utah, you know, that probably would have helped their chances against Boston. Yeah, or just rest your – or just chalk up Boston as a loss. Second, I have a back-to-back against the second-best team in the league. Just be like – 
throw in the towel. The rest is Fox and Domas. I, I, I think it's weird to say because the Kings, you don't really, I mean, you, you don't really see this from a team. You don't really see rest from a team like the Kings. I'm not yeah. saying that, like, not a third seed team, just like a team that hasn't been in the playoffs. Exactly. It's like you usually see them, you know, like, oh, that's Kawhi. Like, we might be in the seventh seed. But it's like, you know, it's the Clippers. Exactly. But the Kings still have a lot to prove. Exactly. exactly. They haven't earned that. Like, they really have to work into it and continue kind of like, they got to kind of prove it. But do they? Or is that just our, like, old mindset? And it's just like just screw it, just rest these guys. Like we like are we're gonna make the playoffs. It so makes, it's a given. It makes so much sense to just be like fight through it because it is good for them and good for character. But after this stretch of games, I mean you saw Utah, it's like Utah's got three starters out. It's like that I'm not saying it's like you should have just rested so and so or so and so and whatnot and all that, but it's like that was an opportunity to. Yeah, it, it was. And I don't know. Again, it's like you see Sabonis playing with the avulsion fracture and he's getting banged around. He's got his finger wrapped up because uh, on the other hand right now, he's just a tough guy. It's not in his nature to take time off, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they, they do like look like they're getting a little tired out there. That's a good point. I mean, is there any gains? Because I mean, they, I think they're trying to probably keep up with Memphis at this point. I mean, and props to Memphis because they just they did not sink in any manner. No, so they in the season. I would beware of Memphis in the playoffs. That's a team that is it together. Suns, Jazz, Timberwolves, Trailblazers, Trailblazers, Spurs, Pelicans, Mavs, Warriors, Nuggets. I mean, I don't really see any. I mean, the Celtics game in hindsight, it's like you look at that game, it's like that's a good rest game. Suns, no, you, know, you got two days of rest. Jazz, I mean, second night of a back-to-back again. It's like you're at home. At home. I don't know. And you're, you're trying to fight. So I can kind of see why the Kings kept their best players out there. Just because, you know, they haven't really gained any ground on Memphis. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did for a second. But now Memphis is, what, game and a half ahead of us again? Yeah. So, Well, how many minutes did, like, Fox and Simonis play against Boston? Because maybe it could be a minutes, well, I, like, he, balance thing. He, well, I think he played a ton. Yeah. Sabonis? Sabonis played like 38 minutes, I think. Yeah. Because they, the rotations were such that they did not even touch Metu until garbage time. Yeah. So the only person that touched the five outside of Sabonis was Lyles. And Lyles had one of his worst games in recent memory. Yeah. He um, was... He was just kind of a non-factor. Zero points. He had like points. one block. He had one shot. He only got up a th- one three-pointer. He missed it. Sabonis? He committed a few turnovers within the span of a few minutes. 37 minutes for Sabonis, only 29 for Fox. Fox wasn't anything special. But, I mean, they also, they did throw the towel in pretty early yeah. for Mike Brown. Like, five minutes left. Usually, and that's why the fatigue thing definitely stands out. Because it's like, that definitely blends to that idea. And Fox, bringing up Fox, I feel like Fox is the one that needs the rest. Yeah, of course. I mean, he's the one running. And I feel like lately he's been doing a lot more throughout the first three quarters of the game. Or the first two and a half quarters of the game. And was it against Utah? They were all like, he's got, because he scored like 30-something points against Utah. Thir- I think he had yeah, 37. he had like 37, yeah. But he was going into the fourth quarter with 32. And, and you hear Katie Christensen and Mark Jones going like, well, it's fourth quarter time, 32. There's still a whole quarter to play. Who knows who he's going to end up? He gets about 37. Yeah. It's like, oh. Yeah, he, he didn't look like fourth quarter Fox for no. used to seeing. And I think he's putting on a little bit more of a load. He's Because he's definitely attacking earlier and, 
I think it's helping. That's a good thing to see, but it's like you kind of pull the covers away and then all of a sudden your, 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 your feet are bare and your feet are cold, you know, yeah. you take care of one thing and then you got another problem. Mm-hmm. So I have no, I think it's something to consider. I think you get a playoff series or two or three or however many God knows, I don't know, wild card situation with the Kings. You get a few playoff series under your belt. Maybe then you start kind of going into that resting mode, but I don't know. Yeah. Because these guys are also, it's like, they're like, Domas is 26. They, they are young guys. And, I mean, uh, Barnes is the, the vet. Yeah. Barnes is another interesting guy because I think he had a, was it the Boston game where he like had one good quarter and then he's just kind of non-existent? Like that, uh, I feel like that's a guy that earns rest. Yeah. He only played 25 against the oh, Celtics. Okay. I just saw, which is good. I mean, one needs rest is Barnes. I always say, like, yeah, Barnes keeps his body in great shape. Like, this dude gets tired all the time. <laughs> <laughs> They've always said that. I'm just like, I, this dude always hits a wall. What's his three-point percentage since the All-Star break? Because he was going into the All-Star break pretty solid, if I'm not mistaken. You ask me this like I know. but I, I I'm asking this. I'm, this, no. is, this is me telling I'm looking you. It up. Look it up. Well, yeah, sorry. You're telling me what? Well, uh isn't that a sign? I mean, like he was so he he picked up the three point shooting kind of in uh, January going into yeah, he February. Yeah, he was going. He was on and then for heater. most of February, and then this month, I feel like he's been like kind of low. Yeah, let's see. I'm pretty sure. So post All Star break. Sorry, I'm just trying to close out ads. He's shooting actually higher than pre All Star break by point zero one percent. Sorry, point one zero percent. He Wait, shot, what's the percentage? He should pre All Star thirty seven point four, post All Star thirty seven point five. Oh, on point two zero tenths less, and point one zero makes less. Okay, so there's no difference. He's pretty much <laughs> so scratch what I said. Let's see. He's, I mean, yeah, he's pretty much the same player, scoring point two more points a game, playing point three more minutes. Oh man, he's just putting that load on. He, that's so Barnes man. for you. That's why I love. <laughs> that's why I love Barnes. It has the same plus minus two point four. Yeah, what a guy. What it? Yeah, just a steady force out there. I love Barnes. Even if he's not scoring, he's always doing something. Harry Barnes, dude. Harry Barnes. But I guess that just that rest thing. I guess it's just something to keep in mind. And I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there that are scratching their heads. Like that seems like that would be a simple fix. And I kind of see where you're coming from. Yeah, take that standpoint. No, it's it's true. But, you know, we'll have to see. It's just, there's, this is also new for the Kings. It's I know. It's also new. It's not, I mean, I wanna, it's not often. It, I mean, it hasn't happened in 16 years where the Kings were four games, four yeah. magic numbers away from making the playoffs. For real. So, it is it is a weird, I mean, it's not weird. It's a new, it's a new feeling for me as an adult. I think I heard Mark Jones at the beginning of the Celtics game, the Kings are going to end 17 years of a drought. Come on, Mark. Uh, Don't get me started. I feel like the thing with Mark Jones is just, I feel like he works too hard. He has too many brain farts. Like Worse he, than Draper. I, you know what I like about Drapes? Were you watching pregame and like halftime and stuff like that? They kept showing that clip of his time in Boston and he's like playing some pickup game with like Brian Scalabrini. <laughs> he tried to block Scalabrini <laughs> and, uh, he went down like the Philly fanatic. Just ate it. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> that's funny. 
How about well talking about your boy Graves and your boy Jones? How'd you uh, how'd you like Paul Pierce the other night? Well, personally, I love Paul. The truth, I love Paul Pierce. One of my favorite players of all time. I thought it was funny. They're like, so what do you like about this Kings team? And he just says what you would expect from a national media figure. I mean, if you want to call him that. <laughs> um, but from an outside perspective, I guess. Just like, you know, Sabonis is a beast. He's the, one of the most dynamic players in the league. You know, he's a three-time All-Star. You know, Fox is now an All-Star. Like as if he'd like had something to prove. You know, as if it wasn't just like the win column thing. It's just like, no, he's really taking a step up. It was just like, I don't think you're winning f- uh, points with Kings fans right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the truth, I'll tell you what. But, I don't know, whenever I see Paul Pierce, I just get a big old smile on my face, uh, recalling how he got fired from ESPN, or why he got fired from ESPN <laughs> with his Instagram live stream. Uh, yeah, so with uh, strippers in the background. They're in a playing poker some game. poker. Playing some poker. He was clearly... Either... He was... W- he was lit or... A little bit of both. And yes. uh, his eyes were... Uh, Pink, and I don't think he was suffering from pink eye. <laughs> Could have um, been with all the strippers. <laughs> who knows, man? I don't know what they're doing. Uh, but <laughs> whenever I think about Paul Pierce, it's just like you know, you're gonna get fired. That's a damn good way to get fired, I guess. Paul Pierce and his glasses, his big old glasses now. <laughs> I don't know. He's like those square frames, or at least when he was at ESPN. I haven't really seen him much since. Um, you know, he's a funny looking guy to me. I always liked him because he was like, he's a very talented player and he was like so good for the Celtics before the, like when the Celtics sucked. And, um, yeah, I also liked him because he was this like kind of pudgy. Yeah. He doesn't look like you're one of the best players in the league yeah, physically. I mean, no. I just always liked that about him. You know, it's kind of the same reason I like Jokic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, he's kind of cute. He's like, yeah, I want to hug him. And almost like an underdog at that point. It's like, damn, you look like that? You're the MVP of this league? Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, add to it the fact he got stabbed at a club. Yes. I mean, he's... he's he got stabbed, like, a bunch of times. Yeah. Paul Pierce is uh, great. He's the truth. Yeah. He's the truth. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever seen Game of Thrones? You remember those Like little... the Bleach Report cartoon things? Yeah. I remember those. Uh, they did one with Paul Pierce. It was hilarious. It was like... It was the last episode ever. And they were trying to decide, like, the best player of all time, the GOAT. He's like, yeah, Paul Pierce got stabbed 21 times. <laughs> and he's just, like, sitting there in, like, a wheelchair with his big old glasses. Like, I'll just show you. And they, and they all decided it was Paul Pierce, the greatest player ever. Hey, man, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> but he was also, and at the end, he was also the one writing the, the story. <laughs> Paul. Is that Paul? PP, but a, a bright spot over the last two losses has actually been Davion Mitchell. Hell, this is the All Star break. Yeah, that is true. But he, I think he's looked. Def- I mean, he was in terms of actually playing the role off the bench. Yes, yeah, offensively. Yeah, he looked really good More against the Celtics on Tuesday. He was. He had that. I mean, he had that one streak in the second quarter. I think yeah. he scored ten of his thirteen points. Now that that does <laughs> yeah. raise the issue. Because uh, he like, I think he hit like three shots, and then he missed two shots, and then he just kind of never saw anything. Yeah. So is he? I mean, at the very <coughs> gosh darn it. <laughs> um, I mean, it's like it, so like that stands, but at the same time, the a good way to look at it is that is there's undeniable progress in that department, and 
it's coming at the right time with the playoffs because yes. that could be a huge X factor. And we kind of talked about that uh, at the All-Star break. It's like Davion Mitchell, if he can bring that ball pressure, which is so reliable, mm-hmm. it's always there. You combine that with a bit of an offensive threat, if he's hot, I mean, like, that's just all the better. Yeah, you know, Davion's, I mean, we've talked about it numerous times this season because he has taken such a like step back on the offensive side. Just more like he's not shooting the ball. And something that he showed, especially at the end of last season, that he can score the ball pretty decently. So it is nice to see him at least get up shots regardless. And, it's, of course, it's nice seeing him fall in. But we kind of expected that to happen when he started putting up more shots. I think he has a really good uh, mid-range game. He has a nice cross. I think he needs to do that way more often than take a three-pointer. Yeah. And, and as we've said a million times, he is very quick to the rim. Um, and we want to see him drive a lot more. And mm. so it's nice to see his aggression kind of coming out. And on also the it's like event. what Fox said after the game, because Matt George was asking everybody like about Davion Mitchell. Matt Jorge. <laughs> Mateo Jorge. Mateo Jorge. And my guy. ABC 10. What do you say? ABC in Spanish. I took French. Uh, yeah, I think. Ah, be, sit. I don't know. I think that's a long freaking time. And ago. what's 10? Diaz. Diaz. I think, right? That <laughs> <laughs> no, is. Yeah. Um, I don't know either. Yeah. String that together now. <laughs> but he was asking uh, Deer and Fox about Davion Mitchell. Davion's like, or Fox made a good point. It's like, Davion's playing mostly with Domas. So easy to play off of. That's so you true. want him to be confident. You cannot let off because you're out there with. Such a, a great facilitating piece. And uh, so, like, all of it's there for, for Mitchell. I mean, I don't know. It is, the progress is undeniable, though, and it's been a hell of a thing to watch. Yeah, it's been nice, <clears throat> especially since the All-Star break, like you said. He's uh, and coming coming at the right time. He's kind of need to step up in the playoffs and the offensive load, especially with Monk. I feel like Monk has been kind of streaky as of late. He's had some super good games. He's also had some games. I'm like, you see, you see, Monk miss his first two shots. Yeah, I'm just like, uh, it's gonna be, yeah. it's gonna be a long game for Monk. I think these last two games have been his worst two games since the All Star break because he'd been really good since the All Star. Yes, break. he and he had he he was. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like if you got Davion Mitchell playing that offense, and if like if you can close games with Davion, if Dave like yeah, if Davion's put himself into position to close a game over Malik Monk, I think that's a good advantage. Hey, he's a great defender. He's a, cause he's one of the things is Monk has been so good at positioning and rotating. Like in terms of like what we expected, we were coming in here and going like, he could be a real liability defensively. Cause he didn't, he's never really been a good defender. He's actually regarded as one of the worst defenders due to his like lack of length and size and strength. I mean, yeah. He's kind of a little guy. Yeah. Um, but he's done pretty well, but that size thing does come into it and, one of the things that has been such an area of focus because it's lacking right now is the lack of physicality. And so when Davion's out there, you're playing more physical. You're playing with um, the requisite toughness that you need to because basketball is this fluid, quick game. You have to be strong. Mm-hmm. The physicality involved is undeniable. And so if Davion Mitchell's putting himself in the position to be part of the closing lineup, one of the five best players on the floor for you, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But you can say the same thing about Monk because Monk's just so hit big shots, he's just, facilitating. That's if he's on, though. I mean, 
And of course. I mean, if Monk's on, it's if, if it's his game, then of course. Yeah. But it's like, you know that by the time, obviously, by the time of the fourth quarter. Like, do you want Monk out there when he's, you know, mm-hmm. four for 15 tonight or whatever he shoots? Yeah. When he has those off nights? Yeah. Those off nights. You go to off night. That's right. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Yeah, but Davion, I mean, you just, you want to keep seeing him grow. Because it's like, if he can come into next season, granted that nothing really changes, they don't move him or anything like that. You'd really want to expect some major steps up, in yeah. Terms of his role as the backup point guard, mm-hmm. and uh, even more facilitating, even. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like I get that they don't want it from him because just so much goes to Monk and yeah. Sabonis. It's just like it's almost like Davion Mitchell's the third option for yeah, facilitating. But the, I mean, there's probably a reason behind that. True, because he's not on the level of Monk. Yeah. So I and mean, Monk's so aggressive about getting inside. Yeah. He's formed such a nice duo with with uh, Sabonis. <clears throat> it's like you see Sabonis two man games with Monk, with with Herder, with Fox, with Murray. You maybe want to see more with with Mitch. Yeah. He's quick. He can. He's yeah. a Great cutter. He's a great finisher. Mm-hmm. Even he's, he's been really using that mid range to pull up that mid range so well lately. Great ball handler. He's yeah. a great ball handler. He really is. Yeah. He gives Fox around for his money. I think. Mm-hmm. But Dave on Mitchell, I mean, like it was, it's, it's kind of been one of Dave Mitch, Dave Mitchell, uh, Mitch. He's just one of those guys that uh, amidst these last two games, it's like, well, he's been a present. One player. of those bright spots. Yeah, Terrence Davis too. Over the last three, because he didn't really play against Utah. <clears throat> Terrence Davis is also it, the whole thing about. It was funny because Mark Jones said it against Utah that. Uh, before the Wizards game, when he scored 21 points off the bench, because that was the first game where Kessler Edwards started. Mm-hmm. So, who would be getting all the spot starts when uh, guys were out? Terrence Davis. Yeah. So, Terrence Davis wasn't going to get that. And uh, Mark Jones told everybody that, uh, you know, uh, I'll have to do the voice. <laughs> uh, Matthew Delavadova uh, gave him a checkup from the neck up. The word is a phrase he used. He said, "What gave him a checkup from the neck up? Checkup from the neck up? Okay. Yeah, I gotta gotta be careful with that one. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, he kind of gave him a pep talk and kind of reminded him, like, you know, you're still talented and all that, and it meant the world to him and all that. It was funny because in the five minutes of garbage time against the Celtics, you could tell that he and Katie Christensen were grasping at straws as to what to talk about. So he repeated that, but um, it's kind of nice to see that." Terrence Davis can be revived because it kind of seemed like for a second they're like, oh no, it kind of seemed like he's fallen out at this point, and now he's that whole staying ready thing. What does that mean if he's going to come in and never gain a rhythm? Terrence Davis, I mean, uh, I'm going to miss him next year. I, yeah, I, I don't he, think the Kings are going to retain him. I mean, I bet they would be like, oh, here's two mil. <laughs> he's trying to stay. I mean, I, they can't retain him. He's, What's he making right now? He's making like four, isn't he? Yeah. He might. I don't know. I doubt it. I doubt it too. So I mean, I'll miss TD. He's just. I feel bad for him a little too, because he's. I mean, he's had bad games, but there's a lot of games you bring him in. I'm like, I trust this guy to knock threes down. Mm-hmm. Like he needs to hit threes. And yeah, he aired one last night or on Tuesday night, and then the yeah. next shot he took, next shot, next mm-hmm. possession, he just drained it mm-hmm. from the same exact spot. Yeah. It's like I love this guy. I just always ready. And he plays with an aggression and a pace. Because one of the other issues that's been going on lately. Mike Brown's talking about the pace in the half court's not there. Mm-hmm. And two people that I've really kind of been pleased with, and what does that mean? I mean, what the hell does my opinion matter? But <laughs> uh, 
Terrence Davis and Kessler Edwards, I think you, they're at least making a concerted effort. And Terrence Davis does that all the time. Mm-hmm. Gets the ball, he's driving to the rim, he's pushing it in transition and all sorts of things like that. But again, kind of sticking to the half-court pace. He he just is a tenacious enough player and wants to do the right thing. That yeah. Even if he's not scoring, it's just like, it's hard not to like him. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of my favorite players on the team from just a standpoint of just like undrafted, fought for everything he has. I don't know. Terrence Davis. That's it. Just kind of TV off of two. Davion Mitchell. He's another guy that uh, is worth kind of getting kudos to. Yeah. What about uh, you bringing up Kessler Edwards? How have you, how have you felt about him since, I mean, we've got him and now he's, he kind of gave himself a yeah. role in this lineup after that Phoenix game. And obviously starting the last couple of games since Herter went down. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the offense is a little hit or miss. He's gotten in some foul trouble early. But other than that, he's one of the best options to put on for a different look, uh, to put on an exceptionally good score. And also one of the things that he's just been so good at, I feel like he's had like two offensive rebounds in each of like the last several games, or he's had at least one offensive rebound and he's coming close to grabbing others. And he's been really savvy on the glass, Mm -hmm. Um, just kind of getting down there and getting involved. And he just seems like the type of guy that, similar to Davis, similar, it's probably because it's just like Davis isn't guaranteed a nightly rotational role. Kessler Edwards came to the Kings as the new guy that they got for free, essentially. Yeah. And no, he had. No, who they give up? Oh, my God. How could I forget? David Michino. Yes. One of the finest talents out of France. Yes. You think Rudy Gobert is good? Look up David Michino's. David Michino. Reel. Yeah. 32, I think, years old. Uh, Entering his prime. Dave. You have two Daves. We could. Anyways. <laughs> I feel like I just... No, no, no. But Good. So Edwards come, comes in and has to like fight for a role. and he. So what does he do? He just... I'm going to focus on doing what I can and doing the little things. And you kind of saw the opposite when PJ Dozier went in for that mm-hmm. one second. And Kessler Edwards, I mean, even if he is getting into foul trouble, even if that three ball's not falling, and it was falling... Is that against Boston? He had a couple early. Kessler? Yeah. 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 No, he, yeah, he did. Everyone every, was hitting him every, early. Exactly. Everyone was hitting him. I remember Tony texted me. He's like, he didn't even miss. Yeah. So. The Kings. Yeah. Evidently. <laughs> but, uh, so, it's nice. It's just nice having Edwards. I mean, obviously, can't wait for Herder to come back, but, um, he's been, it's been a nice option to kind of just have. Like, don't let the guy get in a rhythm first and then have to bring out Edwards. I mean, it's kind of nice to have him go out there and guard guys from the moment of tip-off. Yeah. And he, Although he has gotten in a little bit of foul trouble. He did, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like that Celtics game, I feel like they were, was it against Edwards? I feel like they are giving Tatum some ticky-tack calls against Kessler and stuff. I mean, he was grabbing a little. Maybe I'm thinking about another guy. I think Davion as well. There was one, I think, at the end of the half where I think Kessler Edwards did a pretty decent – and maybe I'm wrong on this, but Kessler Edwards did a pretty good job of moving his feet back, and they gave Tatum that and-one layup. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, that didn't need to be an and-one. Uh, I know. Because I felt like Edwards did a job of backpedaling and just kind of like keeping his hands off him. I mean, like, oh, I'm doing this for memory. But – so I get what you're saying. It's like you almost don't want to give him too much. And he's a young player. Kind of mm-hmm. has to prove himself. Refs are going to kind of give you a hard and time. And he, he had a nice block on Tatum as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 really I like Kessler. Like, I feel like we've really, you know, we've really 
latched on to Cass Edwards since we got him. And hey, we needed a backup behind Barnes. Mm-hmm. Long, lanky, or lengthy, lanky, lengthy, um, under contract. Yes. And it's, I, he's a guy that I can see filling in behind Barnes. I, I kind of want him next year to be like what Terrence Davis was as a backup shooting guard, mm-hmm. but now as the backup small forward. Kind of mm-hmm. like a younger guy, and he's going to play good minutes for you. He's going to play hard basketball. Maybe better defense, obviously, but yeah, I just we needed that backup small forward. Yeah, he's terrific. Mm-hmm. I think he's just like we were always talking about, like man, that getting that defensive wing would be so big. Like, are they gonna get thigh bowl, all this stuff? And it's just like Monty McNair is like, we're gonna go to Goodwill, <laughs> we're gonna go to the bins, we're gonna pick from the the one dollar box, and we're gonna polish this sucker up, and he's gonna be. Hella good. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you can't talk about <clears throat> Kessler Edwards without talking about Monty McNair. Monte McNair. Monte. <laughs> Monte. Monte. Now, now I'm all confused of what I call him. Monte. You know, like, when to you, me. whenever you say Monte, I always think of, like, um, I don't remember the guy's name, but he was, like, like if you stayed home from school or you're home during the day and you're watching TV, like trash TV, like Jerry Springer, you always get like, I'm Monty Williams. And he's like, I'm going to help you get your money back or something like that. It's like one of those like cheesy commercials. It was like, let's see if we can scam you. Like, giving us business. I just always think of that guy. Yeah, I don't know who you're talking about. Well, great. That went well. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. Talk about him. Nah, I got nothing to say about Monty McNair. Oh, okay. I think he's going to be executive of the year. I he feel has like we, to. I feel like we started that. Yeah. We said that like three weeks ago. You, we started it last year. We started it. And McNair, we trust, baby. <laughs> That's right. Hell yeah. Put him on a dollar bill. Heck yeah. But um, I guess to kind of, we, since we're talking about Davion Mitchell and Terrence Davis and Kessler Edwards and kind of taking a positive spin on things. Even if he hasn't had, even if he's been kind of disrupted over the last couple of games, um, I think it's another opportunity to appreciate the uh, masterful season DeMontis Sabonis is having. He uh, broke a pretty big record with his assist marker, if I'm not mistaken, Tony, right? Yeah, um, he is now the third center ever to record 500 assists in a season, joining Jokic and Will Chamberlain. Pretty good company to be in. Um Second player of the week award, back-to-back, averaging 16 rebounds a game, I think 11 assists, 26 more. I forget the points. I think it was over 20, though. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just – there was this guy um, on Instagram. He's like, hey, you want to do a collab post? And he, I'm like, sure. He's like, top 10 kings this year. And he was like, here's my list. He had Fox over Sabonis. I'm like – I love like here. Here's the debate we've had all year, mm-hmm. but it's I think at this point, and he obviously didn't know he wasn't like a Kings fan. But I'm like, Sabonis is the best player on this team, no doubt. Mm-hmm. I love Fox, and he's great, and he does. I always feel like when we have this debate, we're just like putting one down. There was one time where we had it, and we just put it this way: we're like, who's more irreplaceable? Yeah, exactly. And so he's just he's Demontis Sabonis. I mean, he's. It seems like he's all. I mean, all year it seems like he's been almost putting up triple doubles. I'm almost amazed he's only at twelve this year. Yeah. Feels like he should be at like thirty. I know he didn't start getting triple doubles until like November, December. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and he. I mean, but I feel like he's had like 
six over the last ten games. Yes. And in so, the both player of the week awards, he's averaged triple doubles in each one. Yeah. So he's just he's Saboni Baloney, dude. He's Saboni Baloney. Top three in his position. Top Oh my god, there was a Bleach Report article that had, was doing all NBA teams. Yeah. And they I mean the first two centers are Jokic and Embiid. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And there's the third. It was like Anthony Davis. Get out of here. I know. Oh my gosh. And they even had Fox in the third team all NBA for the guard. Like, I can I mean, see Fox being all NBA. I could, he's like but I mean DeMont Sabonis is undeniably all NBA. He's like the sixth in MVP voting. Yeah. Or, a, you know, ladder, MVP ladder. Mm-hmm. He, of course. It, mm-hmm. You know, it's probably a bunch of... Fr- it's whatever. <laughs> yeah, Anthony Davis. It's about as good as Cap City Crown talking about the uh, Nuggets. Or, <laughs> the, uh, or the Thunder. The Thunder. Dude, me Wait, a, did we even figure out the center? Oh, gee. David um, Mitchin, though? No? <laughs> <laughs> did we even figure out the power forward? Uh, well, isn't it... Is, or is Dort play the three? What's Giddy play? I think it's like Giddy and Giddy's like the two, technically. Remember when Al Horford was on the Thunder? <laughs> How long ago was that? Not that long ago. Was that with like it was like before he came to the Celtics. Was that with was was you with Chris Paul? No. Okay. Uh No, was he? I don't know. Yeah, he like he was like a salary dump. <laughs> He's like, Al Horford's on the anyways. Oh, he went to Philly. Remember he went to Philly after Boston? I barely remember oh, that. So they had like, like a, a stacked team. Do you remember that team? But this was like a detour in between like two stints in Boston? Yes. He went to OKC before he went to the Celtics last year. Oh. I think he got traded. I think it was a salary dump. Oh. Because he was getting paid like hell of money. Dang, I forgot. I remember how good this, this Sixers team was supposed to be. Sorry, just the total. No, that's... It's like Ben Simmons... <laughs> just Who was really good that yeah, year? No, Horford, Harris, Embiid, and Thibault. I mean, Thibault's no. And Josh Richardson. Mm. Man, I remember that team. I'm like, dang, they're going to go hella far. Remember, they, remember even the better Sixers team? Remember that year that Kawhi hit that buzzer beater against them? And yeah. They had, they had Jimmy Butler. Yeah. That team was crazy. Oh, my God. That was the the... The, the like the, the one that bounced yeah the one there. where the yeah Kawhi on the Raptors is one year dang anyways we're not we're not I don't care about the Sixers I actually <laughs> hate the Sixers the Sixers the only time I'll talk them up I hate all those I hate the Celtics I hated losing to the Celtics I hated I hated watching them it's like me just because they're so good I yeah. obviously when I hate them if they sucked I'm like I hated it mm. it's like just I hated when Marcus Smart flopped Marcus like, <laughs> I I I, I just got one He's but, annoying, but it's like, God, miss a freaking shot, you know? Yeah. It's like, you hate him because they're so good. I just hate losing to them. Those <laughs> Eastern Conference teams hate it. What do you think? Can you explain it? Why I hate them? Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. I just, like, no. <laughs> I, I maybe. You're I going to come into my conference and beat me? Exactly. <laughs> maybe that's it. I always, I don't I always hate playing on the Eastern Conference. I hate like, I every now and then I don't mind like a four o'clock game, but it's like when they add up, I'm just like, oh my god, I can only take like three five o'clock games in a row. <laughs> I hate those five o'clock games. Yeah, it like runs during the middle of dinner. Yeah, and we're eating either eating a late dinner. Yeah, like especially those five o'clock games. It's yeah, I'll eat at eight tonight. I'll eat at four thirty. Love the early bird special. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the four o'clock games aren't so bad. 
They're not terrible. They start over at a reasonable time. But it's like those five and six o'clock games. I mean, yeah. you're literally ending at the worst time. <laughs> and you're starting. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll get off of work. And I guess like, I don't mind just jumping right into it. But it's like kind of your whole night at that point. At least the seven o'clock games, it's like, you know, I get a couple hours off of work. Let me chill. And it's like, all right, let me like shower and then get ready and watch the game. And that's the rest of my night. Because it goes to like 930 and then 10 with our posts. Right. I'm like, man. Man, this. <laughs> well, I bet I'm imagining there's a kid in the East Coast going, like, you know what? I hate, I hate playing those Western Conference teams. All those games start at ten o'clock. Man, I can't imagine. <laughs> I know I'm complaining. About, I'm complaining about that. Like, I don't you know. I would never. I never moved to the Eastern Conference or the, the no. Eastern Conference. I've never moved to the East. No. That would be terrible. Go to Hawaii at that point, you get it all. Yeah, that you just record it, watch it, whatever you want. Man, like, yeah, I don't know how. <laughs> Imagine, imagine what is like going on a East uh, West Coast road trip as a Celtics fan. It's like, what time does this game start? Well, I'm not watching any of these. <laughs> yeah. I gotta work at seven in the morning. It's ten o'clock. Jeez. Yeah, I've never understood that. It's, it's always been crazy to me. Yeah, it's like that sucks. I remember thinking that like as a kid watching baseball games. Like, are anybody? Are any of these Mets fans actually watching? Them? Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. It's going to extra innings here in San Francisco. <laughs> like, oh man. It's already late for me. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one time I went to a, a Dodgers Giants game. Yeah. It, it was rain delayed. And, yeah. it, and it picked up at like 1130. <laughs> I just postponed this. Did you watch it? or did you? No, I left. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, I'm like, they're really picking this game up. Like, I'm out of here. What time of the season was it? Was it early or late? <sighs> I don't remember. Because if it was later, I kind of get why they would want to. I, I have a photo posted from that night, so I can tell you. I remember you doing that because it was like the first time me and my wife ever went to a Dodgers Giants game. Yeah, you're like, yeah, we're coming to the Bay Area, which is where I live, and I was like, oh, that's great. You're like, yeah, it's delayed. We're just drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it was September tenth. Uh, okay, so it was late in the season. Yes. And so they probably didn't want to reschedule it. Yeah, that's true. Makes sense. The Giants are probably out of it anyway. Oh, wait, what year was that? 17. Oh, yeah, they were out of it. Yeah. But, um, you know, kind of a random topic that I wanted to bring up. Um, and maybe I'm tooting my own horn here. But after spending, what, you know, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, six, seven months listening to Mike Brown talk and the way he describes things and the language he uses. Um, I feel like I've learned so much about basketball from him. And I feel like if I had a kid or if I'm an uncle or whatever the deal is, or, you know, Tony's, Tony's got a kid and Tony's going to be a terrible father because he's a <laughs> terrible friend to me. And, uh, you know, I'll coach his basketball team. I'm going to be dealing a lot of pages out of Mike Brown's book. And I think that in a way is a testament to how good he is. You know, here comes another topic of why Mike Brown should be coach of the year. It's just like, here's a topic of why the sky is blue. <laughs> um, but just the fact that he is able to get everybody on the same page. And when I say everybody on the same page in terms of the language, what to what kind of things to focus on and all that stuff. I mean, not just the team and the staff, but you know, the media, and the fans, it seems like everybody, if they just listen to Mike Brown, it's like, in a, like a leadership sense, he gets everybody kind of in line there. Mm. I think that's kind of amazing because it's just like, 
I was just thinking about it like, man, I just feel like I know so much about it. And it's just like, he's so in, he's infected everybody with this like really clear and uh, thoughtful way of looking and analyzing the game. And I think that comes from him and his staff, but I don't know. I think when, I mean, he said it a lot at the beginning of camp and throughout the season that it's like, as a coach, you're just pleased when the team starts using that language and when they want to start doing the right thing because and that builds that trust and that mutual trust it just allows everything to build from there it allows the coach to be honest with them it allows the coach to take a step back and let guys figure it out from within and i just think like i want to know what people are saying like uh that were saying last about this time last year they better not hire mike brown he's a career <laughs> loser you know he's got 60 percent or something well, you said it earlier. It was like when we were playing the Jazz, and you really like you liked Will Hardy. Will Hardy was like, maybe give it a season or two to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like this team was built to win, mm-hmm. and Mike Brown was just the perfect guy to bring in, bring in, build that culture, build this team. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's been the perfect fit, and he, he will win Coach of the Year, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Not not against Joe Mazzula Children's Theater. <laughs> Joe Missoula, Montana. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about because I was I was at a bar the other night and they had like NBA TV on, and Terry Stotts was like the analyst on it or whatever. Really? Yeah, and Terry just, like, Stotts. Yeah, like that's another guy that had an above five hundred win percentage and never really got a job in, again in the NBA. And maybe that's fair, but I'm just like. <clears throat> And maybe Portland was right to kind of go like, okay, we're never going to get over the top of this guy. I was like, what the fuck has Portland done since? And like watching Portland this year with Chauncey Billups, it's just like, is Chauncey Billups going to be there next season? Because if I was a Trailblazers fan, I'd be like, get rid of this guy. You're wasting one of the better point guards of his generation. No, don't get me started. (laughs) I'm getting you started. On the Trailblazers. Don't get me started on wasting Lillard. Lillard's wasting his own time staying in Portland. (laughs) Okay, fine. Be loyal, whatever. But enjoy, like, never winning a championship. He had this this quote the other, oh, man, what did he say? It was more like, my haters better better pray that I don't ever win a championship. And, like, all the comments were just like, bro, I don't got to pray. <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone was, it's like, dude, you're clearly not going to win a championship there. I mean, yeah. it's almost like Rodgers in Green Bay after a certain time. Yeah, he won one, but it's like the last 10 years, it's like, what have they done for you? Gone, you no help. Like, it's just you. You're yeah. trying to lead them. It's like, just leave at this point. Like, I get the loyalty aspect for sure, but it's like, I don't feel bad for you anymore. Like, I felt kind of bad. It's like, yeah, you, you had a good team. You had LaMarcus Aldridge and Nick Batum and Wesley Matthews and mm-hmm. and Greg Oden mm-hmm. or whatever, Robin Lopez, whoever their center was. But it's like, like, yeah, and then they all left, and then you're like, okay, still leading this team to the playoffs, one of the best point guards in the game, and he still is, but it's like, Okay. When they got, when they got, we're waiting. When they got Cam Reddish, right? Did they? Yeah. No. Or who? Who was that then? They got Cam Reddish. But they just. They well, just, when they got Reddish, my point is, is just oh. like they, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like they didn't like Thibault comes to the Kings. That's that's a huge move. 
Like, Thibault going to the Portland Trail, like, they're not fixing with your problem. I saw that because I wanted. They got rid of, like, Josh Hart and stuff. And I'm just like, I why think Josh get, Hart's so good. Why did they get rid of Josh Hart? I have no idea. I think they, I don't know. I have no idea. Didn't they trade, didn't they, who had Gary Trent Jr.? Was it them? I don't know. I don't either. Yeah, I don't understand. I think they, yeah, I don't know. I'm Portland. Portland is, uh, Great I, town. Great fan base. All you can do is go, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's just a, it's a point where I'm like, just have fun up there. It's at that team. As long as they have Lily, they're not going to go anywhere. I know. What a disappointing season. They were really good to start. Yeah, they, they beat, beat the they Kings. They beat the Kings on opening night. They looked yeah. really good. Yeah. Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant. Yusuf Nurkic. Like, is he good or not? I don't know. Like With big guys like that, I'm like, I don't know. I don't either. I'm oh, like, no. they they hyped him up so much. I it's, remember they first got him. And it's, it's like, like Zubak in fucking yeah. Los Angeles. And it's like, you need him? I think Plumlee's better. Yeah. <laughs> um, Personally. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't either. We're not paid to make these decisions. Although, uh, Portland Trailblazers, you can give us a call. We would totally work as the GM and assistant GM for you guys. For a fraction of whatever you're paying. Yeah. And we'll probably do a better job. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to fire Chauncey Billups. Yeah. Sorry, Chauncey. Great player. But uh, I don't know about you. Big shot sure. Bill. <laughs> that is, yeah. That, I had no idea. Big shot Bill. <laughs> Billups. Chauncey. Chauncey. Chauncey Billups. But um, what else we got? Um, that's kind of it. I mean, like it was a incongruent week in terms of topics because it just felt like with the five games and it's such a, was it five games, right? Yeah. Like the span three of the and week two. is just like. It was five games and seven nights. I thought three and four was bad, but shoot, five and seven. Yeah. No one. I mean, that's like the, and going back, like, you should have just rested everyone against Boston. Maybe all right. Or at home Utah. though. At home. I feel like if that's such a big game, you don't really want to rest. So it's like that Utah game presented that perfect opportunity, you know. But then it, even at that point, it's like you're still going to be flying on the plane, getting in at one or two in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Yeah. Well, two days off would be really good for them. Yeah. I, I, I. You know, I don't know how much you could take their word for it, but. I guess like Malik Monk was in, in Mike Brown are saying like, this is just a good learning experience at this point. Mm-hmm. And it always is. Um, but can you apply the most perfect possible basketball that you can play for 48 minutes? Cause Kings have not been doing that these last couple of games. And I, I don't play, put it past them that they're tired, but um, 10 games left, 10 games left. And it's yeah, the only, they're only going to get more tired. I yeah. mean, they're going to be, in the postseason, it's called you know postseason for a reason. Extra yeah. overtime, baby. Exactly. So hopefully they can get their legs back under them. And yeah, ten games left. Magic number at four. Well, I mean, hopefully by the next time we talk, they have officially ended the playoff drought. You know, basketball Reference gave them in a hundred percent chance of making the playoffs, which it seems a little risky. Considering they haven't clinched. What if they just never won again? Yeah, what if they lose every game and like everybody that needs to win wins every game? Yeah, so we'll see. Anything's possible. <laughs> but I think by the next time we speak... this, I feel like we sound like Katie Christensen and Mark Jones in garbage time at Celtics game. Yeah. 
just trying to find ways to just you stay tuned. You know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> trying to keep the intrigue up here. Suns on Friday. Uh, Jazz again on Saturday, this time at home, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then they'll play Minnesota on Monday, and then we'll be talking to you guys. And then we'll be talking. So only three games this time. Thank God. We'll see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we'll see if they can clinch it before then. But, John, anything to wrap it up? No. I guess this, the one takeaway here is it's just the Kings just kind of remain a wild card in a way. Mm-hmm. Even though of all the negative stuff that have happened over the last week, which isn't a ton, it's more recent than anything. Um, you don't want to write them off. But then still, all the good play that they've had since the All-Star break, you don't want to just lean your hat on that. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah. And these final 10 games will be telling in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Well, we appreciate you all for tuning in. And until next time, have a good one.